Welcome to another edition of CHB Talks. We are talking today to Ruth Lobo, and we're going to be talking about campus pro-life advocacy. And uh, so, Rod, why don't you give our guest an introduction? Well, uh, we're so happy to have Ruth with us today. Uh, originally born in India, Ruth currently lives in Ottawa, Ontario. She has worked with National Campus Life Network, NCLN, for three years. Uh, Ruth graduated from Carleton University with a Bachelor in Human Rights after being arrested trying to put up a pro-life display. And leading NCLN is a passion close to Ruth's heart. So Ruth, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So how did you get involved in the pro-life movement, uh, first of all? Yeah, that's a great question. So I um, was recruited into the Carleton Pro-Life Club in 2005. Um, as many young people get involved in pro-life clubs, I had no idea what that really meant. Someone just asked me, hey, I'm thinking about reinvigorating this club, and would you like to be the secretary? And I had no idea what that meant. And I had always sort of had a pro-life conviction in my, in my heart, in my life. I am adopted from India and um, my family uh, is very pro-life. And so um, for whatever reason, I said yes. And uh, within a, a matter of months, our club was censored and law, um, denied ratification for um, being pro-life and at the time you know those kinds of things were new and considered news um, and so the story became very big and I found myself within you know weeks even talking to the CBC about why uh, clubs were being censored on campus and could pro-life students be considered you know sort of their viewpoint is it really equal to other people and so it's very trial by fire for me um, I was thrown into controversy, but I believe that some of the, you know, the best leaders in the movement come from controversy and really getting an inside look at uh, what it means to be pro-life today as a young person and really face that very early on. Um, and so through that controversy, I came into contact with the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform. And then um, I, I was personally mentored by Stephanie Gray, now Stephanie Connors, for several years throughout my university mm -hmm. a degree. And it was, you know, because of her that I was sort of shepherded into the movement. She taught me everything she knows. And uh, that's how I got involved. Wow. So in 2010, um, as was mentioned, I think you were um, got into trouble with the police over all this? Yes. <laughs> so uh, our club was, you know, the, despite the fact that we had been denied club status, we weren't ones to sort of take that line down. And um, due to the media attention around it at that time, we were able to regain status and we were a functioning club for many years until 2010 when um, we decided we wanted to kind of take our educational awareness on campus to the next level. And so we uh, attempted to put up one of the Center for Bicycle Reforms displays at that time called Genocide Awareness Project, um, now called the Abortion Awareness Project. And uh, yeah, the university was very unhappy with that. And uh, we uh, tried to explain to them, hired a lawyer even to explain to them that this was our right to be able to put up a display on the campus that explained what abortion was and that we were being denied the ability to do so simply based on content. And that content is not um, 
you know, a good reason on campus to like censor certain materials. Um, unless of course it's like hate speech or something like that. But we tried to reaffirm that we're an educational group. This is what we want to do. We want to educate. That's why we want to put this up. They continued to say no. So we made a decision to go ahead anyway, knowing that the university could, um, you know, uh, take some <laughs> like more extreme measures, I guess you want to say to prevent that from happening, even though we didn't know exactly what would occur. And then yes, in fact, they called the Ottawa city police to have us arrested before we could even have the display up. Um, and uh, the rest is sort of history. We were charged with uh, trespassing on campus, even though we're tuition paying students. And we were um, handcuffed and put in paddy wagons. But uh, the irony is that they only took us to another room on campus and then released us. Many, many, many people think that we were taken to jail, you know, and held uh, in prison cells, but actually, no, like it was more just an intimidation show, I would say, to try to censor us and prevent us from continuing any kind of activism, although unfortunate that they involved the police um, in that intimidation show, and uh, we were later released and told to go back to class. Um, later, the charges against us were dropped. We did file a lawsuit against the school, but we we didn't win. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of my journey. Wow, so many issues there: freedom of speech, freedom of expression. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah freedom of speech is uh, you know <laughs> that's an issue that doesn't go away. In fact, it's getting no. uh, much you know uh, more attention now, even than it was then. Oh. Yeah, and I find, um, in fact, you know, as hard as that situation was, it was so blatant and cut and dry in terms of injustice against pro-life students. I find that today, when I mentor and train pro-life clubs, the issues have become far more nebulous, far more about paperwork, far more about uh, red tape of what can or legal, it's all become very legalistic. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I would almost prefer these big events that clearly state and show that there's some insanity going on as opposed to all this red tape that often goes on behind closed doors and is justified via meetings and policy. Yeah, well, thanks for taking that uh, initiative back then and, and you know, paying <laughs> a price. Uh, we, we seem to know quite a few people that are paying a price for exercising mm -hmm. free speech on important issues uh, now yes. today. Yeah, uh, Wagner, Linda Gibbons, and and other, mm -hmm. and I just I guess going um, back to your work at NCLN today, how many campuses are you involved in uh, where there's a some kind of a club or or group? Yeah, we're we're involved in about sixteen campuses right now, and that number fluctuates a little bit year to year with student leaders. But yeah, we've been consistently uh, for the most part around sixteen campuses for the last few years. And, and what kind of the response of uh, the majority of students? I mean, what, what kind of feedback do you get from uh, non-club members? Yeah, so basically when we were on campus before COVID occurred, now all the universities are, are closed. So that's really changed our, all of our work. Um, but we would stand in the public square week after week on a, on a campus, handing out postcards and talking about one specific, kind of using one specific aspect of abortion as a hook to get into further conversation. So our predominant project was that on sex selective abortion called bloody sexism. 
And so we would just ask students, what do you think about sex selective abortion? Now, many people know uh, that in Canada, like 84 to 86 percent of people are against this type of abortion. So that's why we use it as a hook, because um, we want to take those people who are already against some type of abortion and and question them and have a conversation with them so that perhaps they'll move even further towards a pro-life perspective. So um, we were, yeah, we've had a lot of success with these types of conversations in that um, around 50% of our students that we speak with move more incrementally to the pro-life perspective after one conversation. And that's across a data pool of around uh, 1,200 young people that we polled uh, in 2019. Wow. And, uh, you know, we, we find that there are, most people are against some type of abortion. And so we, we really catalyze that and have a conversation about why they're probably against some type, like sex selection, intuitively, and then bring them more fully to the pro-life perspective. So obviously, um, you know, we do have, you know, people who are get really angry, or we do have people who um, really don't want us there, but I would say they're in the minority compared to the amount of peaceful and productive conversations that we have on campus day in, day out. Well, you've talked about the network at 16 campuses, and um, you've talked about um, the life aspect. Um, why campuses? Why do you think that it's important for you to you know, still be involved in NCLN after all these years? Mm -hmm. So the reason um, campuses are so important is because this is where the majority of abortions are happening in Canada today based on the data that we do have. So uh, as you know, uh, probably or many of your listeners may know, uh, there's around 100,000 abortions that occur in Canada every year. Um, those are just based on the numbers from, I think, 2015. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of data after that about uh, the amount of abortions happening in our country. So those are even just surgical abortions that are reported, as, as many people may know, um, not every abortion clinic has to report the amount of abortions that are actually occurring, nor does that number include the abortion pill, which is a newer form of abortion that is becoming, unfortunately, very popular, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so we target universities because out of 100,000 roughly that are occurring, uh, roughly 50% of those are happening uh, from young people ages 18 to 24, which is the age group that's on university campuses. So we really believe that if we want to see the abortion rates come down in this country, there needs to be a targeted and specific effort to educate this age group in this age group alone. They also will become the future leaders, uh, as we see with our own prime minister. He was a radical activist at McGill University. And so, you know, our hope and dream is that we form and raise and, and mentor and inspire so many young people in the next generation that it that it will create a uh, kind of tip over of influence across the majority of this generation so that they will firmly reject abortion. That's our that's all we're focused on. You know, we don't get involved too much in um, politics or, um, you know, obviously the state of the country concerns us greatly right now, but we are so laser, laser focused on the future of our country. That's we put all of our effort into forming leaders for the next generation so that when they, when it comes time for them to take over, 
um, you know, hopefully we'll see some big change. Well, that's a great long-term vision. Uh, but in terms of politics, it's still, there's always still some um, yes. crossover. And yes. I, I saw that uh, NCLN had a talk um, with uh, with Sam Osterhoff. He's a member mm-hmm. of provincial parliament in Ontario. And there was a bunch of controversy around that. Do you want to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as, as people can check out our website on the front page, nclm.ca, we have tons of student events that we're hosting right now with the aim of just inspiring and educating and, and finding even pro-life youth who want to get involved with us and um, attend one of these events. And so uh, with our two Ottawa-based clubs, uh, the Pro-Life Club at Ottawa University and Carleton University, we decided that we wanted to host a conversation with an MP or an MPP about uh, what it's like to be in politics right now when it comes to the issue of abortion. Sam Oosterhoff is someone that inspire, is inspiring to many of my students because he's so young. He's basically the same age as many of my students. And we want to inspire these young people to get active and to eventually go into you know, leadership positions and whatnot. So, yeah, um, we were so grateful that he agreed to, uh, you know, do this event with us. And and the title of the event was simply Abortion in Politics, Gen Z kind of getting more involved and coming up into that age slowly where they will be involved in leadership. We are huge admirers of Sam where we are at NCLN because he's so young, but also because of what he's achieved at such a young age. And he's such a role model for a lot of our uh, students. So the backlash came in from, uh, you know, media and people who don't like Sam um, looking at NCLN and wondering why he's partnering with a pro-life organization. Now, people were specifically unhappy that NCLN had compared abortion to the Holocaust in on, on Twitter at one point. And, uh, the media and people who don't like Sam really, really grasped onto this as a way to kind of suggest that he should not be involved with an organization that does that. But we all know that this really just has to do with being involved in a pro-life organization uh, at all. And uh, it's not a secret that Sam is pro-life, which is why we wanted to work with him. Um, we find that to be very courageous and in his position to never have hid the fact that he is in fact pro-life. And so um, that's basically where the controversy began. And through all that attention, uh, many of my students were experiencing threats and harassment online for just hosting this event and wanting to have a conversation with an MP and all things that are considered very normal today. It's very normal for pro-choicers to harass pro-lifers for what they're doing and without much penalty. And yet um, some of my students have come under scrutiny from their universities even for hosting this event and other events. Um, It's almost like the universities don't have anything else to do but to monitor a few kids on Instagram talking about abortion and everything. And so freaked out by just a few university students having a conversation online. It's amazing to me the ripple effect that that has upwards even into the provincial government where Premier Ford was commenting about the fact that we were hosting this event with Sam because he was coming under such scrutiny. Um, And 
you know, I, I find that amazing that, that people are so threatened by these conversations that need to occur and that this was engineered and wanted by students. So if it's engineered by students, this is a conversation they want to have and we should honor and respect and encourage the fact that there are still young people in this country who want to have a conversation about abortion. And I think that's a great thing on both sides of the movement. Um, There were many, many, many pro-choice people who reached out to us um, and commenting on Instagram, um, debating with many of our students about abortion as a result of that event. Um, And I, in the end, I think the goal with the harassment and even what uh, MPP Oosterhof was experiencing um, was to have this event shut down. And there's such a fear, right, about having pro-life conversations occur in this country. And I'm very happy to say that the event went ahead. And not only that, but one of our clubs has tripled in size as a result of the event. So I just want to give a quick thank you to the pro-choice community for (laughs) harassing us because it only has helped us grow stronger and inspired, you know, like 50 young people to get involved in in the pro-life clubs in the last month. Well, I hope that anyone who's young and anyone who's on campus who's listening now will be very inspired by this because what you're saying is that just a few of them um, taking to social media actually changed a number of conversations and really got into the media's uh, sites. Mm -hmm. So that's that's so uh, good. It doesn't take a lot of people. It just takes the right people and some and the right coaching, I would say. And I was mentored so heavily by Stephanie that I I really think mentorship in our movement is very, very important. Um, You know, I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that NCLN only has a staff of six. And those, the two clubs that were running that event, there's only six people between the two of them at the time. And so, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of people. It just takes the right um, people. Yeah, brave people who have been mentored and uh, are ready to take the flack, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you, I noticed you mentioned earlier the one topic that has generated a lot of interest is the sex-selective abortion uh, mm-hmm. So have you had uh, any contact with uh, Kathy Wagenthal, MP Kathy Wagenthal? Uh, yes, yeah. So actually on, on April the 8th, we are hosting an event with her um, that's being run by our Saskatchewan clubs and our BC campuses. Um, and you can find all that information on our website, uh, again, in the calendar that's there. Yeah, we're huge supporters of MP Wagenthal and we love her bill and we love what she's doing. And I, you know, personally, this is an issue close to my heart from being adopted from India where, um, you know, I am very acutely aware that this, that could have been my future. Um, And, you know, whenever, especially in Saskatchewan at the University of Regina, there are a lot of immigrant students, a lot of students from India and China. And, we, you know, when we were doing our sex selective abortion event at that campus, I remember talking to some girls from India saying, do you understand, like, you understand what this means that, um, you know, have you ever experienced any kind of, um, you know, sexism in India for being a girl? It's very, very common. Um, and yeah, there was just this understanding between us that we all know um, people from ethnic backgrounds, girls from ethnic backgrounds like India, China, um, could have been any one of us, 
And so we really um, want to help support this bill in any way we can and also encourage young people who, um, you know, may have some history of, with sex selective abortion or they know that it could have been a part of their life to get involved um, with this bill. And yeah, we certainly hope that it at least will be debated fairly and are looking forward to seeing the outcome from it. Well, in terms of, uh, of events, uh, and, and you're just mentioning debates, does NCLN host uh, live debates, online debates uh, on this matter and maybe others? Yeah, that's a great question. We haven't yet, um, but we hope to in the future. And there are some clubs who have hosted uh, abortion debates, such as the one that happened recently between Micah Rosendahl from the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform and Dr. Fraser Fellows, who lives in Ontario and is one of the um, one of the abortionists in Canada who does abortion up until 24 weeks and five days, I believe. Um, he's the, one of the most late-term abortionists in the country. Um, and yeah, that debate had over 250 people at it online, which is incredible. I know it was many years in the making. And yeah, our hope is that in the next year, we'll be hosting some of those. Um, right now, we've been focusing on, yeah, doing some events with different MPs. So um, MP Wagenthal is doing an event with us in just a couple of weeks. And then at the end of the month, we're actually hosting an event with MP Arnold Viersen from Alberta. Uh, and a couple of our students, we're going to be talking about the link between uh, sex trafficking, abortion, and pornography. So this is an area that we're really interested in, and we find it really necessary, obviously, to talk to young people about the how the three industries basically work together and fuel each other. And so that's on uh, April the 24th, I believe, but don't quote me, go and check out the calendar. <laughs> yes, well, that's a very important topic. The intersections between those things are certainly ones that uh, we've talked about somewhat in CHP before, and uh, we want to do a little bit more because, as you say, they, they're a vicious cycle. Um, mm -hmm. Pornography fuels abortion and trafficking, and um, yeah, it probably goes in different orders with different people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're really thankful for the work that uh, our MP Veerson has been doing, especially mm -hmm. in the trafficking file and on the pornography side with uh, his uh, work against Pornhub. So it's incredible. Yeah. 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 It's great to have the, uh, those good people like <clears throat> Kathy Wagendahl and, uh, you know, um, Arnold, Arnold Veerson and Sam Osterhoff and others, Derek Sloan and <laughs> others like who have yes. uh, <clears throat> faced various levels of persecution for their uh, beliefs but there's they're carrying on doing good work as you are and we thank you for the work that you're doing uh on these campuses that i think is so important uh, i think you've really chosen a, a uh, well i think it's a god-ordained mission that you're on there and god bless you and give you, you favor as you continue in that direction thank you are there any words that you'd just like to say in closing, maybe uh, in terms of encouraging involvement? Um, give your website yeah, again. So, yeah, uh, well, yeah, if there are any young people listening or people who have uh, kids in uh, high school or university, um, please send them to us. You can email me directly at ruth, R-U-T-H dot Lobo, L-O-B-O at N-C-L-N dot C-A. 
And, uh, you know, I just want to, yeah, really emphasize the importance of young people rising up now for the sake of the of our country in the future. Um, we're not in a pro-life country. We're in a very pro-abortion country, one of the only democracies in the world without abortion laws at all. And this is only going to be changed by having good leadership and leadership that understands the value of life uh, and is willing to fight for it. So, you know, please don't be dissuaded by the controversy or by um, you know, some of the suffering that's gone on. It's all worth it because obviously none of us are being aborted. And so we need to speak up for people who, are, who are, uh, can't speak for themselves. So thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. Yeah, and, uh, thanks so much and God bless you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you all of you for listening as well. And we hope that you'll join us next week for another edition of CHP Talks.